It's pretty intense to play in a place as small where uh, we can see you as good as you can see us. You forget how strong you guys react to some of this stuff, some of the words, it, it gets kind of heavy. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience, featuring... Mr. Stone Gossett! Hey everybody now, welcome to Live on Four Legs, a definitive live Pearl Jam podcast. We're getting so, so much closer until the big day, Toronto, March 18th, where Pearl Jam, after a year and a half, is coming back. But on top of that, we're also waiting for the Gigaton album, which we haven't, we've only heard two songs from, so there's a lot to look forward to in the upcoming days. Randy Sobel here, John Farrar over there. The anticipation, it just keeps building and building, my friend. Yeah. Every, you know, every we, week we say it. I, you know, I've been going back and reading those descriptions that were posted on the, from the listening party, trying to glean some insider information from there and it's yeah it's there's a couple that i'm really looking forward to seeing how they how they turn out take the long way especially and uh retrograde or two that i really like might be under the radar as far as like you know gonna be played a lot or gonna be kind of kind of cooler songs on this record i'm really looking forward to hearing the whole thing sitting down with it yeah and we said last week how interested we are to see how they're going to intertwine all the stuff in the set and we you know we can talk about it until the cows come home and we just won't know until they show up and do it and uh you know it's what two weeks away at this point yeah yeah so Cutting down the days and we're gonna have a lot of really cool things to hype up the show and the tour uh that week so i think um monday we're gonna release our draft episode that we did the fantasy league draft tuesday we're gonna release something we don't want to reveal what it is yet because we want to lock it down so tuesday there will be something wednesday there'll be a regular episode thursday there's going to be a reaction episode uh from toronto where we're going to get you know live straight after the show we're going to talk to somebody that was there and going to give us our, our his first-hand account and then friday we'll probably release like an evolution or a bridge school episode on patreon so uh you know a lot of things coming down the pipe it's going to be a really busy march really busy march yeah and a busy april too we got some meetups in nashville and st louis and yep yeah then we and the 
that's not even the end of it. Then we've got this whole European tour in in June. So <laughs> who knows what's yeah. after that? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of good stuff coming down the pipe. Uh, that St. Louis, so St. Louis meetup is going to be at the Wheelhouse. A bunch of us are going to go to the Cardinals game uh, beforehand, and then I'll we're probably be I'll probably be at the record store. So if anyone's going to be meet up at the record store with John, yeah, exactly, and uh, maybe you can meet at the at the Arch with somebody else. Uh, we'll we'll have like little we'll do like a live on four legs scavenger on pop or some up, crap yeah, like that. yeah. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, we'll do the Wheelhouse. That that uh, that Saturday, the St. Louis uh, show day, and then we got the Pearl Diver meetup that you guys are doing together with SBT and Podcast, the Porch Podcast. Con or something. Pod- we're gonna call sure, it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, whatever you guys want to call it, it should be fun. Uh, you know, do it without me, but that's okay. I'll I'll sit out for one. <laughs> well, there'll be there's gonna be I'm five of involved. us there, so I think I'm I'm probably the stone of that group i'm gonna have to show sure you're not the boom beanie and like in a shorts i'm i'm gonna go full stone for that probably are you sure you're not boom and you're not even like you know a part of it where boom is not (laughs) actually in the band if if you were if you were gonna be there i would be boom no no we we're (laughs) jeff and stone man come on give us some credit yeah yeah. Well, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. Looking forward to meeting everybody there. If yeah, there. yeah. Let us know. Abs- absolutely. So we have that going on. And uh, if you're listening to this on Wednesday the 4th, tomorrow is the last day for merch and T-shirts and stuff. So we have the store that's up. We're probably posting it all over Facebook and all over Instagram and all over the place. But if you're interested, lo4l2020.itemorder.com. It's the last chance. You got like basically yeah, 24 hours. I want to so. say it again. Thanks so much to all of our patrons who made this possible. Yes. And very, you much. know, and, and we're not, you know, we're not doing it to get rich off this thing where all the proceeds are going to the Australian wildlife. wildlife. It's out of love, you guys. And it's, you know, where it's for a good cause. So definitely if you've been thinking about it, it really means a lot. It's support the show and support a good cause. So yeah. thanks to everyone who's ordered and yeah, definitely get those in uh, today. It was important to us to to donate to something that the band believes in highly too, and I thought it was it was an appropriate time because of everything that happened and you know what we we hope this album is standing for and taking a stance on climate control and you know things that that we feel strongly about. So did you notice uh, too in the in the Super Blood Wolf Moon video that has little, a heart? The, yeah, the little the graphic on his bass drum is the the heart from the from the original, you know, Gigaton uh, teaser graphic well, or whatever. The, you know? the single, so on the single artwork release, Dance of the Clairvoyance in the lower left corner right. had the flame. Yeah. The Super Blood Wolf Moon one had the heart, and now there's another one, and I think it's very obvious that we're going to get Rivercross at some point before the album comes out. If... You know, if we're speaking right now and we haven't had River yeah, Cross I mean, yet, they they teased it during the Super Bowl, right? With that little minute clip of it, but I think and that was. I don't think that was there's it's instrumental, and then a voice just comes in at the end. I don't know if that's direct from the song or if they remixed it or somehow for that commercial. But yeah, that that's going to be. I think River Cross is going to be one of my favorites on this album. Like it's it's going to be so powerful live. But the lo- the other logo, the third logo, is yeah. the split logo down the middle, right. so it makes sense right. that that would be for river cross so crossed river crossing our fingers here 
hoping for that to to pop up. So uh, for anybody that let's get let's get some B sides. Yeah, let's get more sad and and, record store uh, days coming up. They could do some singles with some B sides. That's all I'm saying. I'm in. I'm taking it. Brandy Carlisle is the yeah. I was just I was just gonna mention. Yeah, that's cool. cool. Very cool. It's a good tie to Pearl Jam. So. Uh, for anybody that is interested in our Patreon, head on over to patreon.com slash live and four legs. It takes a dollar to donate five dollars for the upper tier to get your episode in 2020 giga leg as we want to call it. So, uh, but every, every subscriber and every person that li- listens to the show, I know we talk about Patreon enough, but we can't stress enough that everybody that takes their time to listen to the show is important to us. So that, you know, just want to throw that out there that, uh, we love you all, whether you're meeting us with in Nashville or MSG or St. Louis, uh, or anywhere else, or we really appreciate you taking the time and, and checking us out. So, you know, uh, and yeah, you know, when, and we realized too, you know, this is such a niche podcast. Like it's, <laughs> it's a niche within a niche. Very, this is a very specific part of a, very yeah. specific band so yeah thanks to everyone <laughs> to who listens really no matter how or when you do it like it's it means a lot and it's, it's really fun for us we hope that nerdy. comes across so yeah you have to be really freaking nerdy to to just intake all it seems like the people that listen really enjoy what we're doing so we're just going to keep doing what we do what we're doing until we're completely done yeah, and I think you know some a lot of people. A lot of people like the older '90s shows. A lot of people like the newer shows that they've been to. But I, I love this this run of shows from 1994 that we're going to talk about today. Like these are all epic, classic, you know, Pearl Jam at their absolute best. Yeah, the March April shows from 1994 are absolutely some of the best. And we thank uh, Dylan Sumter, who couldn't be here tonight. We were going to have him on the show. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, he had to cancel at the last minute. So, uh, you know, just give a big shout out to he's been our patron for a couple months now. And we were finally able to get to this episode. It's kind of, a, I guess, like an anniversary of some sort because we're releasing this on the 4th, this date of this was March 13th. So it's as close, uh, I guess as, as we could possibly get, but, um, uh, you know, he picked a really good show and one that I wasn't necessarily familiar with. And this wasn't one that he was at. It was one that he grew up listening to the boot of. So unfortunately we don't have a story from Dylan cause everything just kind of happened at the, at the last second. But, uh, once again, we really thank him for, for, you know, steering us in this direction and, and putting a really, really awesome show into our hands and giving it to you guys. Yeah, and this is like a this is a fan club too, fan club show too. Like we, we guys talked about that Vic Theater show, and we've done a done a couple of these. You know, we did the more, and you know these shows are always special because they know that the people in attendance are the true fans, and they can, right they can go off script a little bit, and it's going to be okay. They don't have to worry about you know the industry people or you know people that haven't heard of them but want to hear the hits right there's always that push and pull between you know do we want to play even flow and alive and better man or do we want to play some of the songs that you get at this show so yeah this is this is a real good one yeah and three days before this they played at the chicago stadium it holds thirteen thousand people this regal theater the new regal theater i believe it was called right Am I right, right. on that? Yep. Yeah, New Regal Theater, uh, twenty five hundred people. So that's you know, fan club. That's that's pretty small for back then. And you're thinking, uh, Chicago, 
there's a lot of fans in Chicago anyway, but that's it's got to be a hard ticket to get in there. And for anybody that was there, uh, boy, that must have been a sight to behold because some of the things that happened at this show that we're going to talk about are oh, yeah. stuff of legends. So, um, but th- this time period, what do you what do you got? You know, on this time period, there's a lot of stuff kind of going yeah, on with the band. Like a, they're sort of a, a lot of gaining momentum. Rebellion, yeah. Yeah, a lot of early versions of Vitalogy stuff, which is great. We got it. This was kind of the beginning of the Ticketmaster thing, which we've talked mm-hmm. about on a lot of other shows. But this was kind of the beginning where they started pissing them off a little bit. And like Stone talks about it in the in the PJ Twenty book when he talked about it, he says, you know, they the Pearl Jam had to threaten to perform at another venue before Ticketmaster backed down. And I actually disclosed what their service charge was, which is a big deal back then because nobody knew. And he says, even then, Ticketmaster said that it only applied to their Chicago shows and they shouldn't expect that concession anywhere else. Like, what a bunch of dicks. Uh, yeah. Like, no wonder they tried to – they had to take that thing to, to court and, like, if if only they had won. But, you know, that that's that's another discussion. We've, we've hit that over and over again. I don't want to belabor the point, but no, yeah, it's but just it's interesting. part of the history. Was, yeah, this was kind of the beginning of uh, of that whole, you know, two-year-long – battle right right and then we have uh we have a little clip of the of ed playing with uh the frogs to at their I opening only, i only play for money yeah that's a classic i had that i had that cdp i think it was called star job star boy something star boy yeah be a star boy yeah i think the ep was maybe called star job i don't remember but it had star it had dog champion on it, and this was uh maybe uh <laughs> But this uh, this had uh, it had that song on it. And this is one of the one of the classic frog songs. probably came out i I believe this clip is on youtube if i'm not mistaken uh ed coming out in his like tinfoil looking jacket Uh, i think that started the next night according to oh was that i think this was probably the beginning of it then they probably after the show they decided to make a whole spectacle out of it okay i thought at this this theater probably not the right place for that but when they the next night in in st louis i think they went for it Got it, got it. Okay, well, that's you know same time frame, and and you have the frogs opening up, and you also have uh, oh yeah, they the, if people don't know what you were talking about, they they would he would be lowered on wires wearing like gold and silver 
like an angel or something. Like it was a whole, <laughs> they made a whole big to do about it. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's just 1994 Pearl Jam. They can yeah. get away with yeah. that kind of stuff. They were having fun. Yeah. They were having fun. Right. But there was, um, this is a cool little story that I, that I dug up and found, uh, about the other opening band, Magic Slim and what, What's the, and the MGs, I believe. MGs, the yeah, Magic Horizons. Slim and yeah. the MGs. So I, I never heard them before, but uh, I stumbled across well, a story that I but found. But before on you page. get started, it's similar to who was the uh, I forget the the gentleman's name who played Soldier Field. It was kind of like a blues ish. Oh yeah, that's right. Type of thing. So this was kind of the beginning of that too, as they would just find stuff that they liked and be like, and you you tell the story, but it, yeah, it's kind of a kind of a cool story of how this came to be. So a guy was walking down Sheffield and during the seventh inning of a Cubs game and he kind of came across Ed and Ed wasn't getting recognized at the time. It was right after he had dyed his hair, went from blonde back to black. And so he was able to walk down the street with Ed, just kind of able to talk with him without being impeded by uh, free of suggestion as yet. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, he told them he told he was talking with Ed about Magic Slim. He ran into uh, somebody from Magic Slim, and they got to talking about how they opened up for him. And he said, "We did a show at the Chicago Blues Bar, and after we see this little guy, he was hanging out, having a drink, and he was just staring at us." And finally he said, hey, can I help you, man? And he said, just want to tell, tell you what a great show and, uh, and buy you a drink. And so uh, Ed bought them a, a shot of wild turkey. And then he didn't leave. And then he pulled, pulled him over. You know, the guy from Magic Club pulled him over and said, uh, was there anything else that, that he wanted? And he said his name was Ed from a band called Pearl Jam. And he was just hoping that they could open a show for them at the New Regal Theater to, uh, the next day. And the guy didn't know anything about Pearl Jam, didn't know of his existence. This is like one of the biggest stars in the world that he's like, I have no idea who this is, That this guy that's staring me in the bar right now. And Ed said that they would pay him $700 for 40 minutes to open up for them and uh, pretty good money for 40 minutes. And he said that he'll throw in a bottle of wild turkey as well. They got backstage, they played the show, and, and there's two bottles of wild turkey back there for him. So it was one of Ed's infamous napkin contracts that he made up uh i think we've seen that before with with other acts that have done this so uh apparently ed said everything was 100 percent true and uh that's just a really cool story about how that all came about yeah you, you know it's one of those things like it's one of those things that's frozen in time like you'll never you know you'll never get that again you know it's not like Josh Klinghoffer was just hanging out at the bar, despondent <laughs> right. after being fired from Red Hot Chili Peppers, and Pearl Jam was. No, hey, you man, have to, you have to plan for these us. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, 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 There's, there's none of that. Although, back in 2013, there was a band that opened up for them. I want to say in like Texas and Oklahoma, and I never heard of them before. And apparently, it was a very local band. So I, I wonder how that all came about. I can't remember the name of them, but uh, that was we'll one of the only times shows and cover. Tour. Yeah, yeah, somebody request them. Somebody go on Patreon and and request. So we'll get we'll get to everything at some point. We'll we'll just do it. So uh, let's get into the music here and to open up the show. It's oceans. <laughs>
to the 13,000 seat arena here where they open with the more commonplace release and when whenever you get oceans as the opener that's your signal of like okay this is a little different this is something different and it's Definitely. not your everyday thing so uh i don't know if it was a conscious thing or not back then but it feels like with everything else that's going on in the show yes it is somewhat well, yeah, of a it, conscious it, thing it had started like in in the early days it would it w- it was around a lot ninety one ninety two before some of the other songs some of the versus songs came around and but yeah by ninety four it had already become like kind of a rare it's thing only to start forty seven times right. which is right. at this time in ninety four go has been played more overall fifty fifty two times and I'm sure that there's some TV performances in there but uh, for go to be played more than oceans with oceans having a couple years on it that's it's pretty significant. So, yeah, you get Oceans to open it up, and it well, kind of... According according to one of the other legs on the show, it's not even a real song, so <laughs> we shouldn't even be talking about it. Well, is he even a real leg? <laughs> Here's a uh, question for you. <laughs> hey, that that's on you, but... No, I, uh, we, <laughs> it's on we, him. We go back and forth, yeah, absolutely. But no, I love Oceans, love when it opens the show. It, it sets such a cool mood, and like you know that you're in for something special. Yeah, and you know, going back to the whole just the preparation for this set and the rarities and the vitality songs. It's like, it's sort of in Ed's artistic nature and instinct to sort of draw up a code almost. And maybe that's why, you know, they named the album no code because there really isn't a, he wants people to think that there is no formula to all this. When I think some of it is, sort of strategic this you have to be really creative to do some some of these things and know that they're going to get a reaction if you're still popular in 20 years people are going to go back to this and say wow that was really something special Yeah, and, and it keeps it exciting for them too you know they they're trying to challenge themselves and and see what they can do and move forward at this time like they were they were becoming a different band like we've talked about every time we we do a show from this era like they were in the process of of changing of shedding their skin and becoming something new and it was just part of that whole process of like hey you know can we do this you know thinking ahead instead of behind and instead of you know especially during versus era which this is in right now versus is not even a year old and they're thinking about vitality which is just insane and they keep saying it's all about the music it's all about you know we we just want to make more music get more music out there and really early on that's that's exactly what you get after the oceans opener you go go into last exit which is the fourth time that last exit's ever been played we covered it uh the vault nine show that we did back in december we covered it then that was the number two and they only played it once so that was december 8th 
1993 and we're going to hear March 13th. There's not a lot of shows in between, but mm. they only played it one other time. And, and compared to that version, um, which felt really super tight as it was, it feels like this is more than an established song at this point. Like they feel really confident and com- comfortable with it. Uh, oh yeah. It's, would, it's blistering. It's the it's the it's the pace and the tempo that you you come to know and love. Dave A and songs that he just pops on like WMA is the first thing I think of last exit might be maybe second, maybe third go is one of them too. So you get those, those two that Dave A really flourishes on back to back here, which, which is awesome. Uh, We get from those into once and even flow. Uh, Ed is really, he's going to mention it a bunch of times, but he, he's sick at this show. He's having, uh, you know, a cold or the flu or something like that. And he's fully embellishing the fact that he has the cold and he doesn't give two shits. You hear his voice and he's raspy, especially during once he's like, he's pulling everything out of the mucus in his lungs to sing. And you can tell, and later in the show, we'll talk about, We'll kind of get back to that, but uh, he's he doesn't at this time in this day and age. If he's sick during a show, he'll let up a little bit. He'll ease up and he'll yeah. You'll, get, you'll get a lot of extended instrumental breaks and things yep. like that. Yeah, he was not giving in. No, I thought I show. thought once in the show is great. It's one of the highlights for me. Like it's not it's not a song that I usually point towards in a set. Right. It's it's a lot of it's one that gets overlooked a lot because it's it's amongst those tall trees on ten. But yeah, this this version of once I thought was fantastic. One of the best yeah. ones I've heard in a long time.
once an even flow. He says that St. Patrick's Day came early and he's coughing up the green. So that's <laughs> probably alluding to the cold there. Right. Um, anything on even flow? I, this is 1994 even flow. So this yeah, is, it was it was kind of a prime. kind of a groovy kind of solo had a little had a little swing to it i thought it was really cool like this is a this is a great mic show like you know we we talk about too some some shows have different band members that come to the forefront and really get get their chance to shine and this for me is, is a great mccready show and this even flow is is fantastic like it's it's not your it's not your run-of-the-mill generic even flow this is fantastic yeah, and I think that like a lot of these early on shows, Mike is sort of, you know, it's more of a stone atmosphere than a Mike atmosphere, but it's starting, you know, once 95 hits, it starts to turn a quarter and Mike is really has a much more prominent role in yeah, these shows. He really he really came into his own in around 93, 94, definitely. Right. And I think 94, at some point in 94 he went to rehab. I don't remember if it was in between this tour and Vitalogy or Yeah, cuz that was when he met tour. that was when he met john baker saunders from mad season and that that right. whole thing started 95 yeah again it's it's prime mccready so uh you get rats after this little section rats is the sixth song here and at this time they weren't really playing rats at all it's only the 13th time being played compared to a go that was played you know 52 times at this point animal was played uh 55 times and you know some of the other ones uh, we're yeah, played I a think lot the, too. I think River Mirror the, was forty-eight for River Mirror. The definitive version for me is still that Atlanta '94, that Fox Theater version. But but this isn't that yeah, different oh, no, from that. Ab- absolutely, yeah, it's it, the same era, just a couple of weeks before. So right, it still yeah, it's has that and a, and a cool place in the set. Like you, you, you know, again early, you get oceans. That would be the first clue, and this rats is the second clue that like something something cool is going on. And even Ed said before that, I failed to mention. Ed said that it was going to be. You know, you're going to hear a lot of weird yeah. freaking stuff at this show. After so. go, he says, yeah, we're just going to fuck around a little bit. Yeah, so that that's that's your sign. That's always your sign when Ed right. says that stuff. But Rats is, like, fluid the whole way through. It feels like the in the drums, especially Dave A, is just... This this is this is a Dave A song to me, and, and, and Mike is also... Mike has a killer solo in this, too. But I would love to know the beats per minute on this. Hint, hint. Beat, beat yeah. per minute, Queen. If it's faster than the album, how much faster than the album version it is? Because sometimes when you hear it live, it has that like jazz club vibe to it that it has on the album. But this is just straight up. This is full out rock and roll, full full pace, full throttle, good stuff. This is the this is the New York sewer rat, not the French yeah. bistro rat. <laughs> I like that. That's yeah. good. That's good. I like that. It's not ratatouille. Right. It's uh, it's Splinter, not ratatouille. Exactly. Yeah, I love it.
Addiction after Rats, State of Love and Trust, and Breath back to back. Right, yeah. Songs. Yeah, you know they did that on purpose. Yeah, and I really, my focus on this was I wanted to sort of dissect why at this time would they be thinking that maybe we would stop doing Breath for a couple of years. And you listen to it, and in this instance, it feels like it's so much more of an intimate club style sound to it than nowadays where they've translated it and it's kind of it's it's got a more upbeat pace to it and it's and it's it's brighter it's uh it's peppy and here it's just it's slow it's a little sludgy and that's not a bad thing it, it's part of its personality and evolution of the song but i don't think if if i were to guess i don't think they thought it fit their vibe going forward when they played bigger places breath is one of those songs that was on the original gossard demo right right it goes back to 1990 so i i think it just it just kind of got not forgotten about but yeah they were just moving on from that style that kind of like funky g-word style that, (laughs) that they had gotten kind of associated with and yeah, just moving on to it, like shedding that and moving to different different things. And yeah, this is, is I don't think this is the last time Breathwood got played before that no, MSG show, it but it was a, one of the last. Yeah, it had a couple more plays in 1994. Yeah. I, one of the weird things to me is that when you listen to it, I looked at when the, they hit the bridge, and it took them three minutes to hit the bridge. That's how slow this version is compared to now where i feel yeah like if you and you think you, the and you get a little you get a little war pigs tag if you think that's and war pigs is kind of that has kind of that slow sludgy sure tempo to it so that it fit in with this very well club song in front of 2,500 people, it's gonna resonate more than in front of 13,000. So if you're looking for reasons why maybe they dropped it for four years before bringing it back at MSG and then sparingly play it, you know, in, in the rest of their career, then maybe that's one of your answers, but we'll, you know, we'll find out as time goes along. Maybe they'll talk about it. And yeah, you know, and Ed is always really good have. at, I haven't mentioned it in a while, Ed is really good at scouting out a venue he'll he'll sit in an in the empty room for a little while and kind of get the feel of the place and get the vibe of the venue and i'm sure this this theater probably reminded them a lot of the places they played in 1991 and 1992 so breath breath seems like a, a natural choice for that absolutely fits the identity so we move on glorified g and daughter uh we get a little noodle at the beginning of glorified g did you hear that uh i don't remember Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah, I, ha- I have that song blocked from my memory every time. I call <laughs> it. Ugh, don't get me started on Alabama. We'll be here all day. 
<laughs> I think these are good versions of both these songs. I think Daughter is really tight, and you know, they're. I think Daughter is one of the songs that they're specifically going out and trying to change a little bit, and you know, with the tags and kind of. Was, ex- Daughter's a short like, song as it is. Did it remind you of like an of the the little improv he does? It's kind of an evolved sick of pussies it's not it's not that exact thing where the right about his no but it's it's kind of evolved from that a little bit it, it might be based on it somehow what to make of it because i wasn't sure of what direction he was taking in but yeah that's that it could be that it's just part yeah, of it's it's part of the, the way that he improvs yeah 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 and then they do a little wma tag with no chorus on the wma tags which is interesting they just kind of they do the he won the lottery and you know they do both verses but they never get into the chorus it just you know again i love this song and I wish that they would bring it back and it wouldn't be a tag as much as it has been in the past 20 years or however long they've been doing it as a tag primarily. But I, w- I just want to know why, why, why not play it as a full song more often, you know? Why not yeah. do it? Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just one of those things. That, that's why we keep, that's why we keep coming back. Right, weird part of the mysteries, and when they do play WMA, it becomes a holy shit moment, so <laughs> just think of it that way. Uh, the lead-in to Animal is, Ed says, this is about Jeff's perverted dream to take on the Chicago Bulls all by himself. Um, <laughs> 1994 wasn't, that That was, uh, Jordan was riding the bus in 94. He was playing for the Chicago Barons. That was his baseball day, days. Yeah. yeah. So that I think the Rockets won the championship that, that year. Yeah, but so. the the Bulls were still good. They still had Pippen and oh, Rodman, and yeah, they, no. they were still a force to be reckoned with. The, but the if, if Jeff was going to take him, that was going to be the year. Right, 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 exactly. And then Ed, after Animal, says he was getting choked up a little bit because it's pretty intense to play a venue this small where where he can see you and you can see us, and he forgot how strong the crowd reacts to some of the stuff. Then he mentions that they played this song, the next song the other night in, at the Chicago stadium. And in the song are words that he's been living by lately. And that's not for you. Love the early, not for you. Only the third performance of this ever. 
Uh, I think they debuted it in Denver, if I'm not yes. mistaken. Yep. Okay. Just, yeah. Just a week, but just a week before. Right. So you know, Ed, you know, he's right on the money. Words to live by, and that—that's his mindset at this point. Um, I will say this version of "Not for You" just this early. I don't think it's energy-wise, and the way that Ed had in '95 really taken it to the extreme level, the shrieking and the absolute destructive side of him, it wasn't there yet. And maybe it was that there are 11 or 12 songs through a set where he's feeling he has a cold and there's, it's a song that they're not necessarily gelling on just yet. They're not fully tight on it. It's only the third performance. So maybe what I like to, what I like about, about doing these and the reason that I collect all the bootlegs and have, have, been doing this for years and years is when i when you get a song like this for me i want to get as close to the genesis of it as possible yes like give me give me the very i want to hear the first performance i want to hear what it sounded like when it was just a a little nugget of an idea like and this band is so rewarding for doing that like we've been doing these evolution episodes you track the whole thing the song and i love going back and finding the demo version and finding this version from this and but yeah that's that's one thing that i was obsessed with for a long time is going back and finding how close can you get to the the first performance right where it was pure and like you you know that 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 would that would be the one if you could get to it and and thankfully we have a lot of those and this i and not for you is one of those where just the fury of it really comes through in these early performances you can tell he really felt the meaning behind the song and he was he was pissed off yeah i i don't know if there was a lack of crowd enthusiasm that was coming through in the boot maybe like well, they didn't they didn't know the song they didn't know too, the song you know, it's, it, it's right. sort of i think it's this point there there are ebbs and flows in the set and it's sort of setting up where you got 12 songs that they went really hard for and you sort of need an elderly woman after it to to sort of break it up just a little bit. Just kind of. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I felt when I was listening to the set, when I was listening to Not For You, that it just wasn't, it was good, but it just wasn't there yet. It wasn't what I was necessarily but expecting see that, for. That's, that to me is almost more interesting than, than when it gets there. That's, that's I'm, I don't disagree at all. I don't yeah. disagree at all. No, I'm I'm right there with you that you know it's developing, but um, and then I would think that only weeks later that they probably take it up to another level. They get more comfortable yeah, with it. Let's see that's going to be cool do. with these with these new songs too. Can they still do that with these Gigaton songs in sure. 2020? Right? What are we? It's going to be so interesting because we're going to get we're all going to get to hear some of the very first performances. You know, and that was interesting about going back and finding that version of, of river cross from, from 2017 where it's yeah. like, yeah, like you're getting, he probably he maybe even wrote it that day. You know, that's, that's one of those things where you, I'm really interested in getting those, like give me as close as I can to the, to the, the stories. Point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. After not for you and, uh, wouldn't say a debut, but you know, for that crowd, it probably was, you get elder, elderly, elderly, Small town. Sure. 
yeah, you get you get you get the town that is small and the alive that is not dead. Nice little section again. Like it was good little breather, a second to to relax with the elderly woman. It's not a sing along at this point. So and it's also only at this point been played. 13, 16 times? What did I see on here? Uh, 16 times that had yeah, been played. I mean, it's, it was not a lot. Yeah, the 93, they were still, you know, playing those faster. They were still focused on that fast material, the the harder material. So it it it, it was around this time that it's they started putting those breaks in the set where it would, and it would become like kind of, the, it was still that kind of campfire folk song. You know, it, it hadn't yet become the epic sing-along that it is now. Right, right. And then uh, Alive, again, interesting choice with Alive kind of being played, you know, 14th yeah, yeah. song. You know, again, one of your biggest songs. But they're probably thinking for the set, you know, they're throwing out. You'll find out in a second what the closer for the first set was. And they got all this crazy stuff in the encore. So Alive is, is almost an afterthought. And maybe they're kind of teasing to the fans we're going to put it here so you still get it, but you're not going to remember it as much as the other stuff from this show. And that, that's, again, it goes to Ed's creative ability to make sets. And, and still, exactly too, they, to and they only had two albums with 10 or 12 assorted B-sides and new songs. So it's not like they had 60 songs to pick from and they could just leave out alive. You know, you're still you're you still put it get in it. somewhere. And, right. And this is, and again, McCready, just fantastic, like amazing solo in this incident. What you? What were your initial thoughts when hearing it? I thought it was kind of. It kind of has two parts to it. Like the first part is a little more bluesy and a little more guitar focused. I think like it sounded like maybe Stone was playing something and everybody kind of took off. I, I don't know if it actually was something they were thinking about turning into a real song, but it, then it kind of changes halfway through and it gets a little more up tempo and he starts to scream a little bit. Right. I definitely I definitely liked the second part more than the first part. Yeah, I saw a lot of institutionalized by the suicidal tendencies in this. Okay. Just like the I don't know, the the guitar style in it, it just very riffy. Um 
the style in which Ed was, you know, singing and kind of getting angry at points. Uh, that's the vibe I was getting from it. And I don't know if it's exactly that, but, uh, you know, at this time he's like really into black flag. He's really into, to Fugazi and that's, you know, it's very much that style. So it could have been on his mind, whether it's necessarily exactly what he's trying to do. Maybe, maybe not, but I don't know. It, it, it's, it sounds pretty close. that's amazing to me is that whenever they do an improv like this, it just, it sounds so polished that they can kind of come up with a song on this off the spot. Like, like fuck me in the brain, how that was so polished when they did that, that you would think that that would be an album song. Yeah, even you, if it's you just get a bunch rambling. in 95, you get like open door and open road. And yeah. Even at the time, like we thought falling down, like we we came, we came to realize later that that was a real song, but at the time we didn't know. And yeah, like I think they, a lot of times too, when they seem to pop up more around the time that they were like working on new material and are about to be recording, which makes sense because you're going to have leftover things and stuff that they're working on. But it's like, it's so cool to be just like, yeah, like we came up with this one part. We don't know what to do with it. So let's just play it at the show and see where it goes and see what happens. Yeah. He would just make up words on the spot, like and it's cool that that's, that tradition has kind of continued. Like we got the Moline improv. You get you still get it you still get it from time to time. There was one in Memphis yep, that we Memphis saw. One, sure. And yeah, it's 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 such a cool thing that they're they're willing to just kind of throw throw the set list out the window for a minute and just try something. Yeah. So you go from and it's kind of a, a little bit of an incoherent ramble. In maybe this. we'll do a little we'll do a little improv corner on Patreon and one cool. of these years and, yeah. and talk of talk about some of those through the years. An improv evolution. Improvolution. Improvolution. I I'm down. Let's do it. Yeah. I'm I'm always down for experimenting. So. 2021. We're very <laughs> busy this me, year, people. Don't There's a tour. Get me Let's get through this tour and then we'll talk about uh, other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're like halfway booked through 2020. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Uh, all right. So you go from like this rambling, slightly incoherent improv to a song that, again, number four is the magic number in the show. It's only been played four times, debuted in Denver, spin the black frickin' circle, closes the set. It's oh, very love polished. It. Love it. But give it to me every single time. Very unknown at the time. And I feel like, unlike. Yeah not for you i feel like they had this down pat that they knew what they were doing the the ending the cycling with the drums they're just going all off until it finally just figures out how to end on its own it is 
such a good album. I can't, you know. The yeah, way, and, every, and you know, if you don't know the story, like this, the story is Stone had a tape of the the demo for this. Eddie heard it at the wrong speed, and came back and said, "Oh, I really like that really fast one you had." Stone's like, "What?" Yeah, I played it for him. Like, oh, you 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 played that at the wrong speed. Well, it's better this way. We're we're keeping it this way. <laughs> but I, I would really love to hear that original version. It probably was, sounded a little more like like a breath or something like that. But yeah, I absolutely love what they do with the song. Like again, you're getting something very close to the to that original version where they, you know, were just rehearsing it, and it it's such such a fast like just any. You know, this the closest to punk rock that they've ever gotten. I mean, this this song is going to win them a Grammy in two years, and they're closing oh. a set with it at this fan club show in Chicago, where nobody knows it, but everybody you have to be like feeling for them at this time. Like this is freaking cool. When is the new album? Give it to us now. Inject it into our veins. Yeah, a lot similar to like with you know with no code we got Inhabit and Lucan, and it was like shit this is gonna be fucking crazy right and like vitalogy we got spin the black circle last exit not for you trimmer christ and you're like man this is gonna be a fucking rager of an album but, but then, then again you end up with you yeah. end up with nothing man and better man and stupid mop and all that stuff and right yeah we had we had no idea right like when when you think at this time the songs that they released it's gonna be like you said it's gonna be a rager but they they throw in hey we're not going to play I Damanita live and we're not going to tell you what Pry to is but uh, if if they if they had had it at this show they probably this was going to be the show where they would have played it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. This would have Encore Time hard to imagine gets a little noodling and the fans seem to know it and react to it and Ed even mentions if you've heard this song we you've only heard it illegally. So Yeah, you you paid $60 for a silver CD yeah you know a bootleg cd from uh slims or whatever you know right so the magic numbers for hard to imagine just falls short of the magic number this was the third official time that it was ever played there have been times where they had teased it and it sort of felt like an improv uh different lyrics uh this one would be a really good evolution there's there's the there's the versus version and there's the vitalogy version right so they they recorded it in the versus sessions then brought it back tried to tried to record it again for vitalogy sessions just never kind of came together but yeah it's it's oh it's such a great song i love the way it builds and love this version shows 
that it went. I think the last time that they performed it before this was either Slim's in 93 or right after Slim's, so it's not around at all. Played it, you know, right. again. And, and again, noodling. McCready doing some really nice stuff at the end on the solo. Yeah, no, this, this, this grows. I think what I said before with Breath, how Breath was a club song that they needed to figure out how to evolve into an arena song. I think this is an arena song that they have to like figure out how do we make it into a club song like hard to imagine sounds so good when it's full and filling up the atmosphere in arena and uh, you know i i have a feeling that maybe they brought it back in the later years and very sparingly of course but it became an opener because they were feeling that energy that comes from this because it's a much fuller song when you hear it in an arena yeah it almost it almost needs like a like a gorge or a red rocks yeah like something like that like a one of those pacific northwest shows where it's you're out in the open air and it it really the song can really soar and take off and oh yeah yeah when, when it when it kicks in at the end it's so good yeah it's i i love love this song one of their talk most about underrated it songs. Like it's, yeah. it's a it's a tragedy. Tragedy. It never made it on an album. Yeah, and you know what? Like, I think as the band matured and turned into what they've turned into now, this one like matured with them. Sometimes songs just follow them and kind of ride the current with them. And this this one went from what you hear now in '94 to just something that's. Way you know they've changed and grown as musicians, and it just—it's full. It's—it's it's just something really special when you hear it. Now, yeah, so. ra- raise your hand if you track down the Chicago Cab soundtrack. <laughs> yep. You have it. Yep. Yep. On vinyl, I, I did. I did. No, I don't think it was ever released on vinyl. But oh, okay. I had it back in the day, but then you know, once once the internet came around, you didn't need all that stuff. Right. Exactly. Yeah, we've gotten lazy in our collecting now since everything is on the internet well, so speak for speak for yourself i'm not that lazy i'm just saying as a collective okay but you know but yeah um, like, again a, a super rare song to get and you're only going to get it at a show like this this is sort of i don't know i don't know how often they've done this at the time but uh it's sort of the the early teases of a slow burn encore in a definitely, way definitely so hard to imagine into again number four magic number yellow ledbetter than the fourth time ever played here and i love that they're just going for it and they're going for the slow burn that they they would bring back years and years later that it would kind of be the moment that you're waiting for at pearl, pearl jam shows now that like you're gonna get some special shit in the first three or four songs in the encore they're sort of teasing that if we ever get to that point, hey, maybe we can do this kind of thing. Yeah, and this is this is a cool kind of sparse, still, like you said, really early version of Yellow Ledbetter. And it's another opportunity for McCready to to show off. You yeah. know, it's it's a song that I got to think he, he fought for on the set list. Like, yeah, give me a chance to get out there and, and show what I can do.
talked about it in the evolution episode how really early on it was you know it was shouted at it was the song that was being shouted out at shows for you know them to play yeah, it and it started getting radio play around this time yep and it's not in heavy rotation live just yet i think in 95 it really you know yep. around soldier field time it really finds its groove and if becomes only the closer. if only we had done some sort of episode on it on our patreon hmm, that people actually, could go listen to that's hmm. not true that is a public episode oh that's true that was the, the yellow, first one well yellow Ledbetter was the first one so if yeah, you yeah. are missing out on our evolution <laughs> episodes that was one that we we released so go back into our archives Ledbetter. we did not cover this version but we covered versions that sound like it so it's it's really starting to grow fond on the fans at this point i would think rearview mirror comes out of it and good early version not a long bridge and it's not showy at all there's nothing like massive solo in the bridge or anything like that they just sort of groove with it they vibe with it and you yeah, know it was and you know what one one thing we haven't mentioned when we talk about Rear Mirror is like, and you mentioned them earlier, the influence of Fugazi. Like, yeah, they kind of had that a little bit of that groove. Like Fugazi had kind of go go influences and funk influences, and a lot brought a lot of different music, Latin music, a lot of that stuff. Kind of they were playing on at the time, like Steady Diet and nothing. And on the Kill Taker was up by this time, and yeah, I think a lot of a lot of Rear Mirror. You know, we talk about the Beatles and Pink Floyd and, you know, whoever else influences in it. But this one, I think, had a had a strong Fugazi influence in, in there's rearview mirror on the bridge. I can see it. Yeah, That's interesting you bring it up. And, of course, you would bring it up. You're more of a Fugazi uh, nut than... Oh, my God. They're one of my favorite bands of all time. <laughs> so, uh, but it, it's, you know, Ed kind of in this version, it feels like the cold is catching up to him a little bit. It's not... I'm not saying it's not strong, but I feel like he's using up all the energy that he has left in this version. I feel like he has almost none left for Alone. Like, Alone is, is missing a little bit of something. Because... And it's another song, you, you know, you talk about you talk about Breath, where it kind of had that... We talked about how, you know, he kind of would fit songs, probably went around the room and thought about, you know, brought had that 92, 91 kind of vibe. I think that's another reason they brought this one back. Probably the same thing. Like, Alone. hey, this this feels like a place we would have played a couple of years ago. Let, let's, yeah. let's break out that song. Yeah, and it's the 23rd of 47 performances. Again, this is a show for all you stat nerds. And Alone, it just gets, it sort of, in the pantheon of Pearl Jam songs, it's kind of forgotten about sometimes. And Sorry, Aurelian. Yeah, but but when <laughs> when they bring it up, when they do play it live, it's sort of I think my reaction when when I first heard it live, I've heard it live twice, which is kind of incredible, but when I first heard it, I sort of forgot its existence and then reacted like holy crap, I didn't think they actually played it because I wasn't Yeah, because like it was episode. it was around at the it was around at the very beginning, it was played at that first show. Yep. And then like it it didn't make it onto ten. It, it surfaced as a as a versus B side, which is a, a weird place for it on right. that on that go single. Um, but yeah, it's it's one that it never it never quite found its place. I think. Yeah, it, there was just something. I don't know. It, it didn't sound like it belonged on ten. It didn't sound like it belonged on versus. It just right. It, it's right. It, it's. Something else. I don't. I, it's it's tough. It's a B side, basically. It's, that's in, yeah. For a lack if, of better it's term. almost like if there had 
if there had been an album, you know, if you're, it almost fits in with like wash and footsteps. And yeah. That's fair. Things like that, where it's Other one of those early songs, songs that it's one of those early songs that didn't fit on 10, but if, you know, now if they, if they, you know, if, if they had known then what they know now, if you if they were making ten now, maybe some of those kind of vibey or weirder songs would make it onto that record. But at that time, you know, there's probably pressure from the record company and pressure from the producer and management. Like, we need this song and we need hits and all of this. Right. And they weren't yet established enough to say no. We're you know we like that's, the songs that we like. You that's know? what happened with Ledbetter. Actually, I believe yep. I've read yep. uh, you know multiple things about Mike saying that he was willing to fight for it, but since they were so young and and you know just wanted to get an album out and it was very fresh yeah, that, after mother loved that, that you know that's an interesting exercise too if you if you go back take take 10 and take wash alone footsteps led better breath state of love and trust try to work them into that record and you know make make a double album out of it you know yeah. if you if you what, what would 10 sound like with those songs on there um it will say it would sound like ninety one Pearl Jam. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I you know I think it would I think it would have been a and it's a classic album. You know we it is what it is. It, it made us you know it was the one we all heard first back then. But I think it it would have even taken them to another different level if you you know if you start that album with Wash and you have you have a Footsteps on there like yeah it would have been it would have been a whole different different side to them that that we didn't get for a, until a couple of years later. Yeah. Yeah, you're, they maybe wouldn't have been wouldn't have been pigeonholed as much as they were. Sure. Uh, one thing about this version of Alone, it just again, like I feel like he puts so much energy into Rearview Mirror, and you can sort of tell that he's losing a little bit of esteem here. And it feels like Alone is sort of that that you know that valley a little bit where it's it's good, but it's like almost like the band isn't quite feeling it as much but but when you get that transition from alone into black and the way that stone started playing it and it kind of sounds like he's playing it kind of lackadaisically and haphazardly and then all of a sudden i'm not even paying attention i'm like oh okay it's just black and it's just an early version of black and it didn't it just sort of sounded rugged a little bit and then two seconds later stone starts like almost puts it in overdrive and starts playing it again and and restarts the song i'm like Oh wait, holy shit, this sounds amazing. This sounds like black. was like stone's wake-up call to the band saying hey you guys we got a couple left like get, get could have been or it could have been him like it could have been you know eddie may have had to leave the stage for a second and give some to drink it might have right. just been him noodling around for a minute on it or just kind of playing around with it to make sure there's he no knew video what he was doing, but, show, so. right right yeah. 
Um, but yeah, a really powerful version of Black. Again, some some great stuff from Mike. I thought the ending was again amazing. messing around on things there yeah yeah like and again his his rhythm guitar is not doesn't usually you know he's, he doesn't usually get a chance to shine like he's only gotten a couple of solos on that we talk about but yeah it's it's the backbone of everything that they do and it's he's Unsung such an important here. yeah absolutely he's such a he's such an important he's the thing that makes everything go in this band yeah absolutely no pun intended yeah even though that's not his song bad joke <laughs> Bad joke. So sorry I said it. Um, after Black, Ed says, if you want, we can stick around and play a little longer. I know it's a Sunday. Don't know if you're tired. We'll make this a really, really long version because we don't know when we'll be in this building again. One, two, three, four. What the fuck is this world? This is on pace with Atlanta Speed. Missing some of the unique qualities that made that version just out of this world yeah and i think like, it's that that it suffers from the recording too i think if we had a pristine yeah version of this it would be right there and you'd be able to hear a little more of that stuff but yeah only a couple of weeks porch. before that, like we're yeah. we're dr- apples to apples here this is fast freaking porch um and i think we got to talk about you know less about what was going on in the song and more about what was going on in with ed so oh yeah you know you just mentioned he he was kind of feeling the effects of the of the sickness, but <laughs> yeah, how, he, how much he cold went flu medication one. was he on? Right, he must right. have been on something. And he mentions at some point, I don't remember what it was, but he said, "Don't drink and be sick at the same time, or don't be sick and drink." Yeah, it's like don't get don't get sick because you drink. You drink yeah, because right. you're sick or something. Something yeah. something along those lines. Yeah, but so uh, he, he had been he had been. I'm sure they had all been been uh we're feeling the effects of that by this point right so here's here's the shenanigans that went down here from five horizons who you know again please like if they have a video of this i would love to see a video of this i'm sure it's either in the vault or uh, you know it is yeah if we would have seen it by now if somebody had it that wasn't them so uh he climbs up the balcony of this ornate old theater and he takes a flying leap the crowd seems to instantly envelope him, and they back away a little bit, and he's laying on the floor in the aisle, completely limp. Uh, the band is jamming along, not realizing what's going on, 
when he doesn't immediately get up, Jeff gets really concerned and scans the crowd for, for him. Eventually, two security guards go in the crowd and grab Ed, who's still limp, literally drag him back to the stage, positioning him in a pile behind the mic stand. Everybody's going nuts about 60, 10 seconds. Oh, you you can hear the surge in the crowd. Like, yeah, there's, there's two or three different points in the crowd where there's just a surge of of applause. And a, like, right. Something's screaming going screaming and like, yeah, you know, there's certain moments you can tell, like when this was happening in the bootleg. seconds of ed just laying in a heap then he begins to move swaying to the music gets on his knees and unsteadily kind of you know gets his up his hair is in a mess and then bam gets into the final chorus to end it and the crowd just roars oh he's a is that master is that just not the stuff of legends right there it's just first of all he's he goes and takes this death-defying leap, which is just, you know, that's that's porch for the course, as we like to call it here. Uh, and it it is just a sign of the times that he would go and do a stunt like this in a place like this and make a moment that he knows is going to sound good on for all those bootleggers that are recording out there. And, oh, man, like, again. Well, and, and, too, to think that he, he knew he was going to do this. And right. didn't tell the rest of the band. Because he's a bastard. Like, he knew. He's like, they're going to think I'm dead. Because he's be a hilarious. bastard. Yeah, because he's a bastard. Yeah. And then, what, a couple weeks later in Atlanta, he throws a dummy off stage. Yeah. Did the band know yep. about that, too? He's just he's just fucking with them. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he's a bastard. He's a dick. So, but, you know, like like we mentioned before, he's, he's also an artist. And all creative artists have a vision. And, uh... They have a goal. Yeah, evidently he would it was very snake like him kind of rising up swaying with the music and it took a it would have been very cool to see like him kind of emerging you know we we oh, get that a couple of years later he would come out during the no code years he would come out in a cocoon and like emerge from the cocoon right <laughs> during the during the first song and this is kind of like him kind of the music bringing him back to life the drama of all this he makes everything so dramatic but it's right, just right has you in the palm of his hand it's, it's just fucking ah uh, it's 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 amazing it's a beautiful thing again wish we had the video but we're going off of hearsay and and bootleg reactions so that's good enough for me uh they part after after porch then ed comes back on stage riding on a skateboard and mentions that we have a fan club just casual there's... like oh you, you you thought i was dead but now i'm just gonna just right casual. now i'm on a skateboard just hang out yeah, yeah totally doing cool. a couple ollies. Hey guys, and, what's up? Yeah. Uh, there's mentions there's 401 members of the fan club, which Imagine I doubt. what kind of seats they have on this tour, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jesus, 401. And he says 401 of you have heard this song. 
and that's the only people that have heard the song. So they go, and Dave is at the guitar here, and they play Angel, and that's how they're going to close the show. But it's so appropriate for everything that they're doing of rare the rare stuff at the time. Another number four, your magic number as we close this set out. Uh, it's only in this fourth play. You know, the couple other plays that they did, Bridge School, and then yeah, another another weird ten era song that just didn't fit in. Right. You know, it's oddly arranged in the show. It's it's kind of you just have to separate it. It's not. Yeah, I don't right. think you can even it's, tie those two together. Angel is its own separate thing. It's almost like a different band came out. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it, it, the show ended, and then Ed. Yeah basically said all right well let's just because it's not like uh stone jeff and mike came back on exactly, the stage exactly. so they're doing it and it's kind of i don't know it's it's the last time they would perform it before telluride in 2016 it went 700 shows two years yeah 700 shows years without yeah. being played so obviously it's a dave song and dave wasn't really in the band much longer so why it didn't even make lost dogs so why right, would they have right. any reason to do it but uh, I'm one of the very few lucky ones to have actually seen it in Fenway. And uh, it's like you like the song more than I do. And I think you have more of an affinity for it. Yeah, I do. I, I, I like those weird songs. You know, I like when they when they kind of break from what they are known for doing and, and try something. And yeah, Angel is a cool song, man. It's got a cool rhythm to it. It's It's a weird it's a weird song. You know, it's one of those I did on, on the better band podcast. And I got to kind of dig into the live versions a little bit. And I, I love the Telluride version, love the Fenway version. And yeah, I think that it's, it's just a really, it's a really cool song. It's, it's too bad. It didn't fit on anything back then. Right. Yeah. But you know, again, for a fan club show like this and rare, the rare, this is a very fitting way to get oceans to start your night. And then a last exit, a not for you, a spin the black circle alone. Hard yeah, to imagine. Lead better. The only, the only song bookended by oceans and angel. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would venture to guess. We'll have to get, we'll have to get Dave for there, life footsteps on that. I don't one. think you have to get Dave for life footsteps on that one. I think that is pretty, pretty obviously the one and, and only time, but, uh, pretty cool nonetheless so you're picking three top moments on this show what do you got oh man um porch has to be has to be on there i wish we had a video of just yeah. the whole thing and you, and you can hear it like it's it's you know in atlanta we talked about it where you you kind of listen for the crowd like oh, i want to i want to hear the moment you know like I always say, Pearl Jam songs are about moments. I want to hear that moment when that dummy fell in Atlanta. Right. And in this one, you can you can hear those moments when he jumped, when the security guards came up, when they put him back on the stage, when he stood up, because you feel that surge in the crowd, and it's so cool to listen to. That's absolutely my number one moment from this show. Uh, hard to imagine. Uh, number two, uh, love the song. Uh, I did. I had not heard it illegally. <laughs> at the time so i was i i have my have my honor there uh and then uh man number three like pick your pick your favorite vitology song i'll say spin the black circle ending yeah spinning the main set spin yeah, was so the best of, of my the three are my three are all kind of bunched up there at the end of the first set of the encore but yeah like i really like going back to these 94 shows this tour is full of these kind of moments where they were on, they were on, like I said, they were on such a high and such a peak and they were just, they could do anything they wanted to. And, yeah. you know, I could go on and on about, you know, we talked about McCready, even flow rats once 
But yeah, th- those are my three. How about you? Um, I think I have rats in my top three. It's it's really hard to put anything in order here because I think that what I have are completely kind of different from each other. Uh, but I love this version of rats. I think it, you know, listening to it back then, it just has such a, a different feel to it. And it just, it, it's so energetic. It's so, it moves so well. And David just drives on it. it it's, it, it's really good. Um, rats black black is fantastic at the show especially you get kind of that hesitation in the beginning and then they they go into it and it's just off it it's off the wall it's so good in this and um yeah porch or spin a black circle uh you know i'll give the nod to porch because it's a legendary moment for sure and uh that's you know that's my failed mistake and maybe it's because we knew we were covering the show, but we didn't cover this version of porch on the evolution episode. Um, maybe it's cause we don't have video of it and you know, we wanted to get to the drop in the park stuff and, and all that, but I'm glad that we did get to it. And it is an important version in the lineage. So yeah, it's uh, part of, it's part of the puzzle. Like, you know, we talked about kind of the, the show and like how it fits in with everything. And like, I like to think of it, as I said it before, you know, we're, we're piecing together the pieces of a puzzle that's 30 years long. And this is, this is one of those, one of those weirdly shaped puzzle pieces that kind of fits in the middle and you wait till the end. Cause you're like, where's that going to fit in? Yeah. Right. But it's, but but it's important to the whole thing nonetheless. Oh, of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think this is, this is important, you know, more than most shows from this era. Uh, now that I look at it, it's Chicago. How historic is Chicago in their, you know, in their history and being from the area. And there's been so many legendary shows from, you know, United Center shows to ballpark shows. That uh, Metro is, show from 92, we got to do at some point. Mm-hmm. This is part of it. All right. I have a really good rating for it. What do you got? Uh, I've got an eight. Really? Yeah. That's eight, it? Eight. Yeah. That's, I'm, I mean, it's, I thought, I, I, I don't have, it's, it's not anything bad I had to say about it, but I, you know, I like getting the early Vitalogy stuff, but I, I can't put it in those cream of the crop but yeah it, it's right below those oh um yeah i, I think that's part of the cream if, of the crop if, if we do if we do this whole tour there probably won't be anything below an eight like the baseline for this 94 is is eight so right right yeah you know atlanta gets a 10 probably orpheum gets a 10 and that's this is right below those yeah i got i got nine and a half for this nice. i love i love this show i love this era I love the sound. Uh, it's it's peak. It's peak to me. I'll go. You know what? I'll go eight and a half. All right. Hey, I convinced you. Isn't it the other way around where, uh, you know, you rate it really high and yeah, then there, I feel there bad. Aren't many, there, there aren't many that you've done. You've given a higher rating than me. But, yeah. I'm very critical. I'll, but ba- I'm also. Based on, based on what I said, uh, this is this is better than the baseline. I'll, I'll say eight and a half. It's, it's right there just behind those other ones but john i'm also a stat nerd so that's that that goes into my a little bit of the decision oh you you definitely are yeah Yeah, so if people haven't learned that by now they definitely know the magic number number four and all the songs that uh just came out of nowhere that they weren't really doing sets like this at the time so i i think i 
that's the reason why I like covering these shows. If it was just another 1994 show that had, you know, rear view mirror and, and porch and, and the common stuff, it'd be good. And I would like it for what it is, but I think you get a little bit of, you know, a dash of paprika in there with your salt and pepper. I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm sold. I like it. So just my style though. Uh, all right. What are we doing next week? Going back around the world. Sounds good to me. We we we're leaving the Far East. Bye, Asia and and Australia, and yep. we're uh, we're heading towards uh, we're getting the, to Europe. Yeah, a lot lot of stuff to get into in Europe. Yep, we'll be in Europe for a couple months, I would think. Uh, we're gonna. I don't think we're hitting every country, but we're hitting. We're gonna hit most of the countries that they're doing on the European tour, and this is one of them that they are doing, and they haven't been there since this date so budapest hungary 1996 was the last time they played and the only time they played budapest Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. they're going back there this year for the first time in uh 24 years which is nuts and uh we're gonna try to get to all those venues and places that they've played in the past to kind of celebrate what they're doing for uh and get you psyched for the european this was the this was the same leg as as that Barcelona show that yep that we covered earlier early on, which had this the crazy sound check with parting ways and the twelve same, minute I'm open and right the same leg yeah. as that Berlin show that we speak right. really fondly oh, of so amazing so amazing but yeah like again ninety six is is such a great year you know we'll go back out get to talk about Jack some more, which I always absolutely love. Uh, the rest of the month, we'll, we'll do some, uh, Patreon episodes and we'll do some, uh, around the world episodes as well. And it'll kind of be back and forth. So get a good mix of everything in. So, uh, anything else we got to mention before we go again? Um, we're still doing the wish list thing. Uh, at some point we'll, you know, before the Toronto show, we'll release sort of maybe a Patreon, who knows, an episode where you guys write into us at live on four legs podcast at gmail.com and let us know what your Christmas wish list is for this tour. You know, basically write us right to Santa and say how good of a boy or girl you've been and, and what you're hoping to see on this tour. Yeah. And, and come see us in uh, Nashville and St. Louis. And, and MSG uh, too. We'll be in MSG. And, and let us know what shows you're going to. Yep. Yeah. We always want to hear from you guys. We love you guys and uh you're why we do this. Because... It's about to start gearing up. We're all gonna be I we're know. gonna be watching those we're gonna be watching those feeds on Periscope and Facebook yep. and we're gonna be following those setlist threads on the forum and it's it's about to gear back up again. Sure is. Uh you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. We're there's gonna be a lot of faces that we're gonna see that we've just seen like profiles or, you know, just Facebook accounts. So we're going to, we're going to meet you guys now and, and we're going to get to get to know you guys from, you know, outside of Facebook and Instagram and, and, and Twitter. So that's, that's going to be really exciting to do. So can't wait to do all that. Um, anything else before we go? I'm the good. shirts, the shirts are still there live on lo 4 l 2020itemordercom They are done on the fifth after the fifth. They won't be available anymore. We're going to try our best to get them out before the 18th. If if they are out before the 18th, it'll be right at the buzzer. So uh, if you are from Canada and, and want to order, it'll just be right at the buzzer in there. I think you'll be able to wear it to the shows. So uh, we're definitely really excited, and we'll be wearing our live on four legs gear at, uh, on the tour. Yeah. So Sounds good.
yeah, this may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. Although we may be parting ways. I miss you already, and I miss you always. So for Chicago 94, for John and Randy, and thank you once again to our patron, Dylan Sumter, for... Uh, requesting this episode and getting us into this show, one that I did not experience before listening to at this time. Loved it. It was great. And, uh, again, we learn a lot from our patrons that uh, that request this stuff. It's all about their memory of the show, and uh, that's what makes it so great to, to cover it. So, once again, thank you all for listening, and we will see you next week for Budapest. All I wanted was a Pepsi. Across the waste of space and fields of air. I-